All right, well, this is the beginning of season two of the Down to Earth podcast, where I have very simple down to earth conversations with local church pastors. And I have a very special guest to start off this next season. Um, the man himself, who I would say puts the senior in senior pastor. You might know him as PK, uh, King Kenny, or Preacher <laughs> Ken, but I know him as Dad. Um, thank you so much for taking some time, Dad, to, well, to join it. That's probably the nicest way anybody has ever called me old. <laughs> yeah. But I really appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, very subtle. Very seasoned, subtle. right? Yeah, seasoned, seasoned pastor. Yes, that's mm. the nicest That's the mm. nicest way. Um, well, as you know, Dad, we uh, I love having conversations with church pastors and hearing their stories and I know for you just kind of some background might be helpful for for some listening I know June 11th 1978 Mm. has some (laughs) significance for you as I've heard my whole 28 years of life Um, why don't you tell us your your kind of testimony your story of how you came to repentance and faith in Jesus and kind of where that led to your ministry and kind of all the way up to where you're at okay. now. At well, first, let me say, I really am excited about being a part of this and mm-hmm. appreciate the opportunity. I'm so thankful for what the Lord is doing in you and in summer and watching, mm-hmm. um, you know, your sanctification and the way that you continue to grow. And so that just mm-hmm. is really exciting for me. And I praise the Lord for that. So we give him glory. But yeah, I, uh, you know, I grew up in a home that um, were were Jesus followers, but they were very, you know, they they were kind of quiet about some things. Mm -hmm. Um, But I will say that my dad was the very first person to ever share the gospel with me, you know, like one on one. So I'm very thankful for that. I made, you know, this uh, profession of faith when I was seven because of my dad, and I really um, never felt like I measured up all the way with him sometimes, and so I really wanted to make mm-hmm. him proud. So, you know, you go through the whole thing. I go down until the pastor won't be saved, and but you know, no, no conviction of sin, no move of the Holy Spirit, no, no real mm-hmm. repentance whatsoever. But uh, I know that that did happen when I was sixteen, mm-hmm. and uh, I believe that I. You know, that God brought genuine Holy Spirit conviction over my sin and a brokenness and an understanding that I could not save myself. And so I know that God gave me faith to believe in Him and that He literally supernaturally changed me. And it it was yeah. June eleventh, nineteen seventy eight. <laughs> and the only reason I know that, you know, is because the man that led me to Christ just said, Hey, write that in your Bible. Because if you ever doubt it, you can, you know, maybe this mm. is a way, right. you know, to help remember. And so I, I thought that was that was pretty smart. And so, you know, for a number of years, I would see that literally every day. And so <laughs> it's ingrained. But I do thank God, right? Mm. I thank God there's a moment, you know, just like Paul and his Damascus Road experience. So I, I know when I had my experience with salvation and right. so grateful. But. Yeah, I you know was saved at sixteen, called into the ministry at eighteen, sitting in a study hall, mm. and I wanted to fly an airplane. I wanted to be a pilot. Can you imagine <laughs> oh, me flying a plane? <laughs> so, um, but 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 no joke. Uh, sitting in a study hall, reading a book on um, aviation, uh, I know the Lord spoke to mm. me that day, 
And so um, I, I, I wasn't exactly sure what that would look like. I just know that my yes was on the table, my heart was surrendered, and I was, you know, uh, it was, okay, Lord, I, I trust you. Mm. And so, you know, um, I had a voice scholarship to go to Winthrop, turned it down because I wanted to go to North Greenville. Grateful to the Lord that I went to North Greenville. I went as a music major. And uh, so my home church, uh, a lot of those guys saw a lot of things in me that I didn't even see in myself early mm -hmm. on. And um, so uh, my home church, you know, church staff, you know, so mm -hmm. uh, here I am, 18-year-old punk, and I'm on the church <laughs> staff, and I'm going to school um, as a music major. Uh, and so the, the early years, it was more music, music and youth. My first full-time work was at Clearview Baptist Church in Traveler's Rest, and uh, worked with a guy named uh, Jesse Stewart. Could not have worked with a better pastor out the gate. But I was the first full-time person they had on staff, and mm -hmm. I was minister of music, youth, outreach, activities, <laughs> and something else, you know? <laughs> so that was kind of the background. I eventually go to, uh, to Greenwood for a while, get a call from a dear pastor in Indian Trail, uh, Brother Mike Whitson, so I served on his staff as a student pastor. And that's really where my love for the Word just exploded. Mm. And so here's a group of like 20 kids, and then, you know, gosh, a year and a half to two years, it's 200 kids. And these kids are learning how to share their faith, and they're winning their friends to Jesus. And this, this I mean, it was just an extraordinary time in my life. And so our Wednesday nights was like a full-blown worship service. This was back before you had a praise band. I mean, we're talking 88, 1988, <laughs> okay? Yeah. And so we didn't even call it a praise band. I mean, we just, it was a bunch of kids that could play, and man, it just kind of happened. Mm -hmm. And so, but the more that I shared the Word and would study, that's when God really began to work. And man, did I want to proclaim the Word. Uh, your mom and I went into full-time evangelism for five years, and so we averaged about 40 meetings a year in different churches, and they would do con you know Bible conferences and things like that. Then my first pastor was in North Carolina. There were six mm -hmm. years. Then we moved to Greenville in 2000. Uh, pastored you know Rocky Creek for mm -hmm. 16 years. That's basically where you grew yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, right? that's like my whole life. And it's there, still yeah. family to us to this <laughs> yeah. day. Uh, mm -hmm. Some of the dearest friends I have on the planet are part of that church, four men in particular. Mm -hmm. There's four men in that church that know as much about me as your mom knows about me. Mm -hmm. And they are just um, a huge part of my own personal growth and sanctification. And uh, I love those guys dearly. Those men can speak the truth in love. Mm -hmm. And because I have a relationship with them, if they need to get my grill, they can get it, and I'll receive it. Yeah. Because I know they love Jesus and and they know me and you know it's the, right. it's different, right? I think that right. whole passage there in, in Ephesians that you know when you are in relationship and you know that someone does care and they can speak truth and they can speak it to you in love, man, that's a treasure. Right. That that's a mm -hmm. treasure. So we're there sixteen years and then we went to to uh, to Forestville for three years. Then I started working with our state convention on a part-time level, went full-time. But, and as much as I loved what I did for our state, uh, it, it helped me meet a lot of pastors, love on a lot of mm. precious servants of the Lord. Mm. Uh, I couldn't get over 
pastoring. Yeah. <laughs> and it bothered me that I didn't smell like a sheep anymore. Mm. And so I, we were helping a church that was had just come through some really tough years of ministry and struggle. And just trying to help them, but I fell in love with them. And that's Popper Springs, and yeah. that's where we are serving That's now. awesome. Yeah, so you've done a lot. Um, you've had your hands in a lot. Um, so it's cool to kind of go back and listen again from, from start to finish. Um, so thank you, yeah, for taking the time to do that. Um, it's 43 years. That's pretty quick yeah, 43 you know, years. assessment for 43 years. That's how long it's been. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. And you even bringing up Rocky Creek uh, there for forever um i very even our whole life basically i i I would assume most of your many children would assume (laughs) uh or i would think they would say that you and mom were very much involved in the church obviously but also very much involved with the family like I know for me, playing sports and being involved in a million things, and you've got eight kids that are doing tons of things, I can't remember a time that I just felt like you as Preacher Ken were absent like from home or not involved with showing up to my games, taking me to practice, whatever. Um, So all of this to say, one, thank you, of Mm. course, but also... How would you say you were able to do that so well? Mm. Um, because Rocky Creek grew a, a lot, and um, a lot of people came to the house. You were doing a lot of uh, services and counseling and weddings and funerals. and I mean, there was just always something. Mm. But at the same time, it was like you were also home. And when you were home, you were home. Mm. That makes sense. So um, h- how would you say maybe you were able to do that so well for so long and how might you encourage other pastors Mm. out the gate to say hey you need to establish Mm. this you know as best you can like what would you kind of that's a great question i um well out the gate you know at rocky creek i wanted the church itself to know that i was not married to them Mm. i was Mm. married to your mom Mm. and that my family was my first ministry. Mm. If I don't have mom, if I don't have y'all, then I did not feel like I had a successful ministry. Mm. Okay? Mm. So for me, it's, it, it always had to be that, you know, if I'm going to be a disciple maker, that better happen in my home. Mm. If I can't mm. do that in my home, right? Uh, Odds are I'm not going to be very effective, right, yeah, in yeah. leading in leading people. Sure. So family is a big deal. Ephesians five, and you know the book of Ephesians is one of those books that I just, you know, I, I'm tempted to say it's my favorite book in the mm-hmm. New Testament, but then I will say that about almost every <laughs> book in the New Testament when I'm in it. Yeah. Um, but that really was a big part of you know Ephesians five, what God says about the home, leadership in the home. Um, I I just never wanted to put y'all second. I, I never right. wanted you to feel like that y'all were on the back burner. Right. Um, I had heard too many PKs talk about feeling like their their dad um, neglected them. Mm. 
you know. Mm. And as a student pastor in those years, I mean, I was around a lot of church leaders because of being a part of First Baptist Indian Trail. You know, a large church and an influential church, and so it gave me a lot of opportunities to be around a lot of neat people. Hmm. But I, I just kept hearing that, and I remember one young man in particular came, and we were just talking one day, and I just I just hit it off with this kid, you know, and, and he just looked at me when they said, man, don't ever, don't ever put your family second, because that's where I feel like I've been most of my life. Hmm. And so, I mean, that had a major impact yeah. So I don't know that I did a good job. That's a better question probably for you <laughs> and for your siblings, yeah, you know. Yeah. But but I will say I never wanted y'all to feel second. Mm-hmm. Um that's why mom and I still date on Thursday nights. Yeah. I mean, I never wanted mom to feel like she was in second place or that, that something else would be more important than right, her. Right. So Thursday night became our date night way back in North Carolina and we have you know, we just celebrated forty years yeah. in August yeah. and Thursday nights are still our date night and I say no to a lot of things and I've never regretted saying no. Yeah. That was to any of those things. That was gonna be one of my next questions was, you know, did you ever catch any you know, disappointment from church members or staff because of you saying no to things, or was there typically an understanding of, you know, obviously you need to take care of yeah, your Yeah, you know, to, to be quite honest, um, because I was so vocal about you and mm-hmm. your siblings and mom and family life, I think it actually served me well as mm-hmm. a pastor. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were a lot of guys who would come to me and say, hey, you know, I just appreciate the way that you, you love Pat and you love your kids. And, I, and, mm. and I, I hope and pray that that was a good model, right? Right, right. Um, I can't, to this day, there's still some guys at Rocky Creek who will text me on Thursdays saying, I know it's date night, hope you have a good time, <laughs> just thinking about you. Yeah. Is that not crazy? That's cool. It's been years since we've That's been cool. there. And I, I, I just think um, me... Loving you well actually made me a better pastor mm. to the congregation. Mm. So setting that kind of expectation and that just being a recurring theme, like you said, I mean, mm. people are still texting you about yeah, that. It's that's crazy. That's pretty amazing. And I guess talking about the kids, I got to know, and I think the people <laughs> want to know, who is Who's your favorite, favorite child? <laughs> And I'll follow that up with, why is it me? Let's just go ahead and do well, the... You, no, just <laughs> you know, this has gone on for years in our family, and it's brutal. It's brutal. And Mom and I say the same thing, and you, y'all refuse to believe us. We don't believe it. There's not a favorite. There's not well, a... it sure seemed like it in my number years. <laughs> you know, maybe we treated, you know... Every one of you were different, so we mm-hmm. did. You know, there, there are certain things that were common, but but you were uniquely, you know, wired by God, and so there were some things that were unique. Yeah, and I know that sometimes sure. when y'all were smaller, <laughs> you didn't understand all those things, and yeah. it maybe appeared. But I promise, I don't have a favorite. I love no, them all. I Although, it. and I take a lot of abuse <laughs> because you all say that it's 
for me, you say that Susanna's my favorite. Right. And it just happens to be that she's a girl. We love you, Susanna, but... And it just happens to be that she was the last. And I don't think I... I really don't think I showed favoritism. It's just she just happens to be last. Yeah, makes and, sense. You know, I miss... There's a lot of the things when y'all were younger that I do miss. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you this, and, and anybody's got a young family here, um, it only gets better. Yeah, yeah. And like even today, it's a different... It's just a... There's a difference, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, I know that y'all don't... You're not dependent on me now. You mm-hmm. are independent, which I think that is the will of God, mm-hmm. right? Sure. That when you were a child, you were a dependent, but you're no longer a child, and you're not dependent, and you have your own home, and you're, you know, right, and, and right. to me, the relationship now is just at a much different level, and you know, we couldn't talk theology when you were five necessarily. <laughs> when you could. Yeah, as much as you could for sure. a five-year-old, right? Sure. But now to have those conversations or sit around a fire pit and right. man, I, I treasure those moments yeah, like crazy for sure. When we get to go to a bowl game, right? If we ever get to go to one again, come on, Gamecocks, step it up. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, no, I think all that's great, and I know, like you said earlier, it might be a question for me. I never. As Silas, I never felt like I was, yeah, in, in the back seat, um, for sure. So I feel like you definitely, you weren't just saying that to the church to look good, like you mm-hmm. really did uh, live that out. And in particular, I can also attest to those complimenting your love for mom, um, because, you know, and you know this, having eight kids, I mean, we we all watch and we all look mm. at our parents when we're young and I used to always do the thing where I try to, try to get, get in between in, the, yeah. in between you and mom and y'all would you'd come home and we'd all celebrate you were home, you'd hug mom almost immediately and I'd you know, try to squeeze in yeah. between and yeah. you you'd always say you will never, never come, between. come between that's exactly right. And to me it sounded like that was just the rule of the game. <laughs> and I'm gonna try to make you break your rule by not getting in between or by, you know, getting in between you guys. But I think and you may not have meant it, but I think there was even a deeper thing there. Oh, absolutely. Too, that, hey, like your mom, you know, your mom and I are the only reason you're, you are even here. Mm. But, you know, this relationship, this marriage is, right. is primary. And I think, as you said, it, you loving us well helped you serve your church well. I think, I think that uh, order, if you would call it order, um, made you a better husband. I think it did make you a better father. Mm. And I, I learned so much by just watching you and mom on Sunday mornings, on Wednesday nights, you know, traveling with you guys and uh, day-to-day stuff, um, you know, mom homeschooling. And mm. uh, I don't know, just seeing y'all's relationship in so many different areas um, for so long, um, it makes me wonder and ask, you know, another question for you, the relationship between a, a pastor and his wife, um, how crucial is that, not only to family, but maybe even more specifically the church and how, how you both serve the church, um, but also uh, if there's a new pastor that you're talking with, you know, um, and their wife, I don't know, it, maybe you notice there's just a lot of strengths, like what, what would you kind of say or 
you know, the role of the pastor's wife, like how important, yeah. all that to kind of build up to yeah. that, that question of the, the pastor's wife, how crucial and important is that yeah. person to? Well, I, I will tell you, I cannot imagine the journey. And especially when you're thinking just the context of, you know, being a pastor, mm-hmm. I, I can't imagine what that would be like without your mom. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, for me, in my own humble but yet accurate opinion, <laughs> I believe your mom is the, I mean, she. I just think she is a great picture of a pastor's wife. Mm-hmm. She has been loving. She's been supportive. Um, and, and we've had moments where we've had to kind of work through some things. Like sure. early on, sure. you know, if I would have a meeting or whatever, uh, I would come home and mom would want to know, like, what did y'all talk about? <laughs> and, you know, we had to kind of set some boundaries to go. There are some things I think it's okay to share. Mm-hmm. There's other things it's not. It's not in her best interest to know. Sure. And so we had to work, you know, through mm. some of those things. But I know guys today who are struggling in ministry or who are no longer in active vocational ministry because there's such tension and issue with the mm. wife. Mm. You know, your mom's been very supportive. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I know that the word submissive is such, um, you know, that could be yeah. a hot topic. You know, that's a, that's a hot button. But, but she really has been. Mm. And um, she's found her niche. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, She's not necessarily a pastor, right? right? And my mom would tell you, you know, she's not the she's not the one that's going to kind of open up the word and mix company, and she's not gonna she's not gonna go there. Right. Her heart is for women. Her heart is for especially young moms. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a matter of fact, tonight, mom is going to meet with probably six or seven young pastor's wives no tonight. Wow. She meets with them once a month. And That's I think awesome. she's going to take them, I think she's taking them dinner tonight. Or something. she's taking somebody dinner. Um, but yeah, I, I, I cannot imagine being, you know, a pastor of a church without your mom and her, right. her love and care and support. She's found her place. She loves it. And I'm telling you, we love Poplar Spring. Yeah, <laughs> we have just absolutely fallen in mm. love, and we believe these folks dearly love us. And we were bragging on them even this weekend. And p- part of the reason I love the church so much is I, mom, loves the church so much. Right. So it makes it so much easier. And so mm. I would, I, I would say to some you know young couples, especially that, you know you, you. It would be very difficult for me to be a elder, pastor, shepherd, mm-hmm. overseer, yeah. if mom was not who she is and mm-hmm. supported that like right. she does. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's. I think it's critical. It, it really is. I remember growing up, there was a guy who felt called to to go overseas, but his wife would go, and he had he he constantly had this unfulfilled dream that he believed God had called him to do something and he never got to fulfill it because he didn't have a helpmate mm. who who felt that as well. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, that was heart wrenching to see that. Sure, sure. Yeah, I, I just remember, um, you know, as a kid too, you never know the all the church. Mm. You know, the older I've gotten, the more involved I am with my own church. Uh, now in Florida, um, just there's a lot of weight um, that goes into being a pastor, but also, yeah, being a pastor's wife and, um, you know, not only in your case, dealing with eight kids and discipline and raising teenagers mm. and tons of them at one time and all that kind of stuff. And then plus, you know, everything that's going on at a church. Like, I don't know, I, I felt like you and mom both just never really brought that stuff home. Um, mm. And, you know, and looking back now and just to know that uh, that was the example I had, I, I'm just so so grateful for it and um you know our own pastor in florida when i i first sat with him after we visited two weeks that was kind of the routine i we tried to visit a place i try to meet with the pastor have conversations awesome. just like these and uh i asked him i said what's the one thing you just love about your church and he just smiled and uh, his wife was talking with someone else but he just looked at her and just he just pointed at her and was just like my wife, I mean, I, I don't know what else, you know, none of this would be real if it even wasn't for mm-hmm. her. And um, so he just out the gate to hear, you know, I've had this example my whole life of a pastor who loves his wife so well uh, and to see that, hey, we might actually be joining a church where the first thing I ask and he just compliments his wife, mm-hmm. you know, and how awesome she's been so great. Mm-hmm. Um, so, no, I, I think that's all that's all really, really cool um and you mentioned you know poplar springs and uh, a lot of family related questions for you so far and i guess you know when it comes to like seminary do you feel like some of those family things are left out like are there if you could teach a class do you feel like you would maybe teach something like this absolutely what would you 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 know it's kind of like um you know trips work dangerous calling Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're they're probably. Um, I mean, just the stats on seminary campuses with divorce and all kind of crazy things, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there should be some practicum classes that help deal with real life things in the ministry. Yeah. Because I feel like we send men and women out of the seminary sometimes completely, you know, academically, um, you know. Yeah. Parts of faith are very intellectual, right? Correct. And so I think we do a great job with that. But taking that... So if you think about, again, here I go back to Ephesians, right? So there's two pra- two prayers that Paul's praying, and he prays one that, that we are enlightened by the truth, right? Mm-hmm. And then he prays in chapter 3 that we are enabled by that truth. And so the idea of having a doctrine that we believe, but it's also what dictates our behavior. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I think when it comes to shepherding people, ministering, but also not neglecting your family, there's a huge disconnect in what we say we believe and actually how we behave. Right, right. And I think those things have to be set early. Mm. You know, those things, you, you, you can't be in you know, three years into your tenure somewhere and then decide, hey, here's what we're going to do, right? Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. When it comes to, to family, especially, and discipling your family, that's got to come up front. Right. And let that kind of help shape. But I would love to to be able to, to teach, you know, if I could teach a class like in seminary, yeah, <laughs> I would love to, to, to go down that trail. Sure. And just use some real life kind of situations and parenting, you know. I, 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 man, I just thought there's just a huge disconnect there. And we have people that on a, in a practical sense just get eat alive with the pressure. Mm. And I think sometimes it is taken home. I cannot tell you how many, especially pastors' wives that I've met over the last three to four years who would love nothing more than their husband to resign this coming Sunday. Really? Because the pressure. And they feel like they are just, you know, out on this island somewhere. Yeah. How and much, I know there's some brutal churches, right? Sure. I know I, there, yeah, there, I was, there are some brutal churches. I was churches. just about to ask, like, how much of that you think is, like, you know, the husband just can't, maybe not prepared, just straight up, yeah. not prepared, or is it a, a congregation problem? Is it staffing, you know, discon- disunity, or, you know, do, have you felt in your long history of ministry that you have seen, these are some of the common reasons why pastors are burnt out and they're, they're bailing, or yeah. churches aren't uh, growing or I don't know like yeah. have yeah. there been some I, I think a lot of times you know in the south especially there's a unique I, again this is just my this is one person's opinion yeah. right I feel like there is a unique church culture in the south that's not a very healthy mm. or biblical mm. church culture and a lot of guys are going to these churches who have an incredible reputation. They seem to love running pastors off, right? Mm. <laughs> it's like they're a dime a dozen. We'll just get a new one. Yeah. And they have no concept of, of, of what the Word says and how to treat an elder. Mm. And I'm afraid that some of these guys go in and uh, the systems that the church has in place are counterproductive to the gospel. And and I'm I'm afraid that they just get eat alive. Yeah. And it's it can be difficult not to take some of that home. Right. Right. Mm. Um. So I think there's an unhealthy church culture. Sometimes I think there 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 could be, um, maybe just even some pride issues with the pastor. You know. Mm. Um. There's only one Billy Graham. There's only one Adrian Rogers. There's only one John Piper. Yeah. <laughs> um, you got to be you because mm. God uniquely created mm. you to be you. Mm. And sometimes I think we try to wear somebody else's armor. Sure. David couldn't wear Saul's. And I can't wear anybody else's. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sometimes I think it's an issue that I think there's a lot of guys in ministry that have never been called to ministry. Mm. And I know that can be a, you know, there's a lot of folks who, not necessarily don't believe that there's a call, but I do. I do believe there's a distinct call mm-hmm. that God places. Yeah. And, um, you know, if ministry life, you know, if you're a disciple and you've got somebody pouring into you, mentoring you, I mean, there are times I think that can make an, an that's an easy access point to say, you know what, I think that's what I want to do. Right? Mm-hmm. You see something in someone, you admire that. But if God, himself has not called you into that. I, 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 
I think there's just a, a lot of guys, I shouldn't say a lot, I do believe it is possible that many people struggle because that's just not the place that God has wired them to be. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I could tell you pastors who, but they don't want to build relationships with anybody. They just want to preach. Mm-hmm. And they don't want to build a relationship. Yeah, that's a problem. They drive in, drive out, right? Yeah. I, I don't see how you shepherd people that way. You know, and I'm not saying you've got everybody's best friend, but if you can't model authentic biblical body life, right, right. then the, the body itself is not going to embrace that. And so right. I just think guys can get eat up with that. And um, I think sometimes we want to be everybody's friend. Yeah, yeah. And so I love Poplar Springs, mm-hmm. but I have a very high level of objectivity. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lower that. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I will give an account, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. And it won't be to them, right? <laughs> It'll be to him, right? And so, I do have a high level, and I am able to say, "Hey, here's some things that I feel good about. Here's some things that I know that that there's a better way, and maybe." And maybe this is what you have done in the past, but um, you know, part part of what we're called to do as pastors is to equip mm-hmm. the saints for ministry, yeah. right? Yeah. And the word "equip" there means to mend. So fishermen, they're they they're casting their nets. There's a hole in the net. Well, how effective is a net with a hole in it, right? Right. So what do you see in the scriptures? Here they are in their boats, and they're mending their net. Why? They're getting ready to make sure that they are equipped and that they are effective. And so our role is to teach and train people to be effective in the work of the ministry. I cannot pastor every person, but I can be sure that every person is pastored. Mm. And so there, there's a network that I get to work with at Poplar Springs that's beautiful. Right, yeah. it's accommodating to that. So that was that's something that meant a lot to me. You yeah. know, our the way our deacons operate, that structure, they are the care ministry of our church. Yeah, they're they're really they're so connected in body life, and I cannot tell you what a blessing that is. Yeah, and so they understand the role of a deacon. They understand that they are they're not calling shots. They are incredibly supportive to me and our, our, our pastoral ministry. But they realize that, you know, they are they have prayer partners and they have caregivers and man, they are they are in touch with the body and they're Sweet. ministering to the body, caring for the body, and they're they've become the first responders. There's things that happen that I don't know about until it's all said and done. Hmm. And I get to brag on the church being the church. Right. That That's awesome. is awesome. Right. But I know that there are some churches and systems that makes it more difficult, right? Sure. And I think some guys get trapped in that as well. Right. Or they feel like they have to pastor everybody or they gotta be in charge of everything. I know some pastors who man, they just they they, they just got their, their hands in absolutely everything. And they act like everything's an emergency. Right. <laughs> 
And I learned, this is not original with me. Mm -hmm. I picked it up from somewhere. I don't know who. I would give them credit. I have no idea who said it. I just heard it somewhere that if everything's an emergency, then nothing's an emergency. Mm -hmm. um, I've been there, though, right? Yeah. You know, I've, I've, mm -hmm. I've had one episode in 43 years that I that I was burned out. Yeah. And, uh, you know, preaching four times on a Sunday, three Sunday morning services, two Sunday schools. Um, and and God did a work in me during during that season of life. And that's yeah. where instead of having multiple services, we said, hey, let's plant churches. And right. You know, and that, <laughs> right. that was a game changer. Yeah. And uh, so I'm still very much involved in that. That's why I love being around younger pastors and finding out who and, you know, connecting and all that. But I did learn, even in the dark time of ministry life, uh, I read Run, uh, Leading on Empty by Wayne Cadero. Mm -hmm. And, uh, man, that was a game changer. Mm. And so I learned, you know, 85% of what a leader does, anybody can do it. So let them. Mm -hmm. I don't have to do everything. Sometimes people say, hey, pastor, what's going on? Such and such. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, so early on, I felt bad because I didn't know. Now, I'm glad I don't know everything. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't have to. Right. So 85% of what a leader does, anybody can do. So give that away. Give people a place. Because mm. people want, right? They want to serve. Right. But sometimes we, we, we don't give them because we feel like we got to do it because we're the pastor. Right. Or we have this unrealistic expectation that they think, right? Right. I'm right. not a hireling. Right. I've been called to pastor. Mm. I'm not a hireling. So I don't have to do it all, but I also have to be smart enough and grace-oriented enough to know I have to equip people. And there's a lot that I do that I don't have to do. I can give it to somebody else. And God uses that mm -hmm. to even grow in their own sanctification. 10% right. of what a leader does, only a handful of people can do. So I do spend time with a select group of people more than anybody else. And these leaders are very specific leaders. And man, I can pour into them. And, and, but but I, everybody can't do it. Right. But these, this group can, so I pour into them. That only leaves 5%. So I learned through one of the hardest times in my ministry life to live in the 5%. Mm. And what that looks like for me is only I can pray for myself. Only I'm the only one that could have been your dad. Mm -hmm. I'm the only one that can be Pat's husband. I'm the only one that can be in the Word for myself. Right. I'm the only one that can be in charge of what God is doing and orchestrating, and I, I join Him in it. I, I'm the only one that can do that, right? Yeah, Surrender right, to that. Right. So learning to live in that 5%, it's, uh, it's been a challenge, but it's one of the, one of the most glorious things, mm, you mm, know? Yeah. So I feel like at 61, I feel like I still have as much energy and drive today as I did 30 years ago. Mm. And I'm definitely just as excited about ministry today. No, I can you tell. Know? Yeah, I can tell. So we're baptizing this coming Sunday. Yeah. And uh, so I talked to a 17-year-old man named Cooper uh, <laughs> yesterday. Cool. And so he's prayed to receive Christ and, you know, ready to, to grow. And that's exciting. So we're going to dunk him <laughs> Sunday and connect him with some 
older men, you know. Mm-hmm. And when I say older, um, uh, you realize I'm speaking in spiritual terms, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but a, yes, a, a, a more mature disciple mm-hmm. to help him. Um, and so that that's a big deal. You know, that's a big deal because I want that young man to grow. Yeah. And, and uh, so right now it's the milk of the word, but sooner or later we'll get him on the meat and right, 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 watch right. him grow to mature manhood. So, And hopefully he'll reproduce himself, and that's the goal. That's yeah. what we want to see happen at Popper Springs, right? Right, right. You know, we want to see spiritual parents, and they give birth. Yeah. And so we want to see people who, disciples, I know that this almost sounds cliche-ish because everybody says this, right? Yeah, yeah. We want to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Yeah. But it's true, right? Yeah. That's what we want to be a part of, you know, to, to, to be a part of, you know, so Brian Franklin, I thought about Brian the other day, mm-hmm. okay? Yeah. Love that dude, yeah. right? So... So I look back in my rearview mirror. So I remember leading Brian to Jesus. I remember when he surrendered to the ministry. I've met people who he's led to faith, and I've met people that that were led to faith, you know, two times under him. <laughs> you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So I've got a. I feel like there's a son in the ministry. I and because of him, I got grandsons. Yeah, yeah. And then because of them, I got great. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. To me, that's what I see awesome. happening at. Popper Springs that that can happen. There's a, there's a we're ripe for that. Now we're not, you know, we're we're not all over it yet. Sure. But there's I, I can see it, and and that's that's a direction that I want to keep casting vision for and modeling for the church. Sure. Do you think um, you know maybe kind of in closing, you being as we would call a seasoned guy, old, <laughs> yeah, old bag of bones here. <laughs> <laughs> what would be you want to arm wrestle <laughs> yeah, right now <laughs> uh, b- being someone who's been able like you said even now um, with where you are just in a 40 years 40 years of ministry and 61 you know years old or so like still having that energy and just passion and and not just those things, because sometimes the personality behind those things can really mask. Mm. But you, you have a genuine love for pastoring and for pastors and for discipling young guys and young mm. ladies to or getting them connected. All that stuff. You really just have a love for that. Um, so my question, I guess, for you um, would just be. Um, how would you encourage like what are some very practical things pastors can maybe they've just started or maybe they've been in for 25 years Mm. what are some things they can maybe start doing to kind of help maybe you've already mentioned a few but just some things they can do to really help keep that because it's not very common i feel like to hear anymore you know hey i've been at this one church for a decade i feel like i very rarely hear at least that amount of time um, so, you know, anything you can think of that might yeah. be helpful to... I mean, I think, I think you've got to have authentic relationship in your life, whether that's an older Paul yeah. speaking into you. Um, and I'm grateful that I have had that. Um, so there are guys that I, I trust today that, I mean, th- there are certain people who've been in it longer than I have that I still will go to and look up to mm-hmm. uh, if I'm in a hard place, right? 
So I think I think every Timothy needs a Paul, but every Paul also needs a Timothy. Yeah. So as much as a young guy needs someone older speaking, or a group, right, of, of older guys sure. speaking into him sure. and helping with that, I think that's important. I also think it's important for you to have people under you that you are modeling sure. and you're, you're sharpening those discipleship skills, right? Yeah. Um, I think a pastor needs to have a, a solid prayer life, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. So this morning I'm up. I'm not saying that you're super spiritual if you get up at five o'clock in the morning, <laughs> right? Right. I just happened to, it's 5.08 this morning when I woke up and I couldn't go back to sleep. So I did get up. And my typical routine is I'll get up, get downstairs, I hit the Keurig because I'm a mm-hmm. Java junkie, <laughs> and I got the coffee, and then boom, I'm I'm opening the Word, and I my my normal routine is I'm in the Word, but I'm not studying for a message. This is not sermon prep. This is me just spending time with the Lord, mm-hmm. and I've been praying the Psalms. Mm-hmm. And so today, the first 30 minutes is just me just praying the Psalms. Mm. And um, so your prayer life, to, to stay close. You, how many times have I said stay close and stay clean, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So it's John 15, learning to abide, knowing that God's got a work that He's doing. There's a beautiful progression in John 15. No fruit, fruit, much fruit, fruit that remains. Mm. So there's... You know, the only way that happens is to spend time with the Lord. And, you know, as I abide, He is my source. He is my life. I'm hid in Him. I cannot do anything that glorifies the Father outside of Him. Right? Sure. sure. He said Himself, what I do, I do for the glory of the Father. Right. Right? Yeah. So I think it's, you know, continuing to rest, continuing to abide, having having people speaking into you, but also speaking into others, staying in the Word, staying fresh, learning to Sabbath. Mm. Mm. That is one thing that I wish, you know, that, that, that probably could be a seminary course in and of itself because mm. most guys don't know how to Sabbath. They don't know how to rest, and they feel guilty if they do. Yeah, I'm just telling you today, yeah. one of the most yeah. spiritual things you can probably do is take a nap. <laughs> But learn right. to learn to rest. Learn to just to Sabbath, and um, I just think that that to me that's another piece I think is critically important. But but they but plan mm-hmm. to pray. You know I've got so you know I've only been at Popper Springs. You know I, I was there in transition for a year, right, so kind of right. cheating it just a little bit. But on you know July the the sixteenth, unpacked a six year plan. I'm not saying everybody's got a six-year plan that just, you know. But, I mean, at 61, it's not like I'm going to probably be here 40 years, right? (laughs) So what we're going to do, I feel like this season of my life, we got to get on it. I think sometimes, though, wherever you are, you got to get along with God and hear what He has for you. And if you are a part of a shepherding team, you know, there's a lot of guys that are loners. I do believe in plurality of ministry. Mm-hmm. I think that is sure. a strong thing. Um, even in that sense, you've got to have a team that gets together, gets before the Lord, knows where the church is going to go, and can put the X's and knows how to get there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think sometimes we just live from day to day. And when a guy gets in that trap, I'm telling you, that is not a good place to be. Mm. So if mm. you're living from one sermon to the next or one opportunity to the next, I just, so to think, to dream, to plan, to, to let God kind of give you that and then be able to articulate that to a body. I think those are, sure. that's, that's, a, that's, a, a, that's a strong thing. Yeah, and that's helpful coming from that perspective of encouraging and speaking to pastors. Um, you've also been involved with a lot of churches and some of them for very long amounts of time. So kind of the opposite, how, how might would you say church members, you know, someone that's just, hey, we show up, you mm-hmm. know, we serve, like they're just, you know, yeah. they're committed members. Like how can church members help um the pastor kind of aid them in this journey of like you said you have a six-year plan you know uh, stuff like that how how important are the church members understanding their role yeah uh, or their gifts you know we're all one body we all you know there's eyes and ears and noses Um, so everyone has kind of their role and their gift so how might you encourage or some things that members can do to flourish or you know see a lot of fruit yeah, I, I I think one of those things is just connect connecting with the church leadership to know where where there is opportunity. Mm. You know, I do believe that God gives a spiritual gift or gifts, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I think that the part of equipping that we miss is we kind of miss out on where does all that giftedness kind of fit within the body, right? Mm-hmm. And I think. With dialogue, opportunity, um, the church understanding where it's going, and literally talking about how this is how you can fit in. The other side of that is you got to have people in the body who want to be led, and they want to to, to have a shepherd lead them, and are willing to roll their sleeves up and and sure. to go to work. Right. Right. Um, so one of the challenges we have, we right now we're a little bit of an older congregation, and and sometimes the tendency is to think, well, I'm old or I'm too old. Right. I've done it in the past. It's time for somebody else, and we're kind of having to work against that right now. Yeah. Um. So, one helping them discern that they are a viable peace and part of the ministry now is crucial right and if we can help them with that then we can also help find them places you know whether it's um i mean tell me a church that doesn't need more help in the nursery yeah right (laughs) yeah tell me a church that doesn't need so so it's it's just kind of you know it's just helping communicate where the opportunities are and encouraging them to exercise that gift. And if they don't, then the church is never going to be what the Lord died for it to be. You know, he's the chief cornerstone. Right. And then every piece is put in place. Right. Right. And so um, it's a constant and that never, ever stops. Helping them discover spiritual gifts, helping them understand how it all fits—that's that's the pieces that we get to teach. That's the pieces that we get to proclaim. Right. And 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 then 
create opportunities for those things to to be exercised. Right. So yeah, it kind of works together with what you were saying. Like pastors don't have to do everything, have their hands in everything. You can help train and equip your members to do or yeah. you know the you know practice the gifts that they have. Yeah, I got some guys that are going to start going with me to hospital visits. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's a culture of people there, especially some of our guys who have the time to do some things. And you know, if you got three or four guys that say, "Hey, I'll go to the hospital anytime you want to go to the hospital. I'll go see so and so. I'll connect with so and so." That's a wonderful thing. You're giving people a place to exercise their giftedness right right because yeah i think sometimes there can be a you think spiritual gifts it all has to be preaching or teaching right. praying it's like well there's a lot of physical physical needs that yeah the gift of admin mm-hmm. to help volunteer in the office and take right. loads off of that we got great right. ladies but you know what? i'll tell you this really really quick and i don't know how long this thing is going to go but i um one of the goals is we want everybody to reproduce themselves at least once. Mm. So if you're if you're teaching, then you need an apprentice. Yeah. If you are in the nursery, you need an apprentice. If you are a greeter, you need an apprentice. If you what? Mm. So you know what we don't want to happen is like if we 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 don't. We don't need just one drummer. We need several. We don't need one person. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Sometimes we get locked in, and I think this is like old school mentality. So if somebody does it, and then we applaud them, like, well, they've been, you know, they've been serving the nursery for 35 years. Isn't that wonderful? And then they drop off the scene. Yeah. The Lord calls them home. <laughs> and then what happens? There's no one to. There's nobody there. Mm and what we've done is celebrated something that maybe we should have celebrated something else Mm. maybe we should celebrate the fact that here's somebody who because of their service to the Lord and because of body life they've been able to teach five other people how to do what they do Mm. Mm. so the spiritual infrastructure some churches don't grow because there's no spiritual infrastructure to grow Mm. It's like the church who says, I, I've gone to a, ch- a church or two, and they go, we can't get over the hump. What is wrong with us? We can't get over the hump. And I'll say something like, well, you've got 50 parking spaces. You're never going to run 400 people. You have 50 parking spaces. The right. average is two per car. Right. I mean, so some things like you just have to, so sometimes there's the infrastructure of the church that just the way it's structured, the way it's set up, is mm-hmm. debilitating for growth. And if the Lord did send you growth, what are you going to do with it? Right. Right? Right. So one of our great challenges now is having that apprentice, mm. reproducing ourselves. Mm. That's a tough that's one. Good. Yeah. You know? That's good. But yeah, it's easy. Yeah, if we some, can do it. Yeah, if certain things have been done for so long a certain way or whatever, it's just mm. easy to rather than taking on opportunities to serve, you just want to send them to the waiting room for that yeah. one doctor to help them when it's like, you can be, you can, be, you can, that's do this. Right. you know, you can get involved and serve. So, um, no, all that's really great. And, uh, even for me, just more things to think about as I, I look for more opportunities for, um, to serve you know, at our church and way summer has been getting involved mm-hmm. more, um, with some folks at the church, um, it's helpful That's to hear awesome. hear this to, to keep to keep pushing to not only to help 
the overall health of the church and growth, but of also the pastor who mm. he just he's on his eleventh year now. He's going on year eleven yeah. now, um, which is awesome. So to that's kinda, fantastic to help him. Yeah, it's he's he's great. So and there's if, things that you're going to be able to do because he has. Oh yeah, a tenure there of yeah. eleven years, right? You know exactly. So there's a lot of great things happening there. That's awesome. It's cool. That's awesome. It's awesome. It really is. Uh, well, thanks again, Dad. I appreciate well, it. I love you. Very and kind. I love you. Bro. Yeah, thankful that you you know took the time. I think it's helpful. I've asked a lot of the same questions um, to everyone, but to have I think a little different approach for someone who's just seen a lot. You've done a lot. You've learned a lot. Um, just about family and. Uh, work, home life—that you know—that that balance, the importance of the pastor's wife, and um, just for pastors to hear from someone like you, hey, going forward here, so I can encourage my my Timothys, my younger mm. folks, how I can learn mm. from those older than me. Um, you know, just to continue learning and growing. Uh, all of that has, I think, been really helpful. So, uh, again, I really appreciate it. I love you. And, uh, I'm proud of you, we'll, Absolutely. We'll, we'll definitely do it again. Sometime, all right. I'm sure. <laughs>